Robert, I love that you've come on the show. I, I have wanted to speak to you ever since we spoke to you for the other show. Uh, I should say for the audience, Robert Alds is the director of the Bruges Group, a think tank, think tank in London, UK. Are you in London or somewhere else in the UK? London. In, in London. Uh, Robert, thank you for joining me. I'd like to talk with you today about a number of issues, some of your expertise, because you've spent a number of decades now uh, agitating for things like Brexit, um, rational government policy, and I'm very interested to hear your thoughts on the lockdown and um, the political psychology of the UK, because we are your descendants down here in in Australia, and it worries me that um, our motherland is going a little bit crazy over there at the moment. But um, why don't we start with this? What's the feel of London right now, Robert? I spent a month living in London about a year ago. I loved it. Uh, has something changed radically since I was last there? Well, we can sort of think about uh, mass hysteria and people have sort of known about this phenomenon for quite some time. Nobody ever thought it would be here in our lifetime. Occasionally there's been hysterical moments of people mm. screaming at the Beatles or, or people being dreadfully uh, mournful and upset following the, the sad passing of Princess Diana, for instance, where we've had these public shows of emotions. Now we are in a time where we are in a mass hysteria where it's been sort of politically orchestrated. The public have been scared witless by their own government. According to opinion polls, when asked about how many people, what percentage of the population has died from COVID-19, people will say between 9 and 10%. Others will no. just say 7 The figures are nothing like that. Even if infected, one has a 99.97 survival rate, and that will be improving all the time with therapeutics. We have a government which is willingly scared people, scaring them into obedience which is all very very convenient for them and we see people who are wearing masks outdoors where it is known there is very very little chance of infection even wearing masks when they're driving cars on their own with no other passengers in the vehicle it is a sign of people's obedience and people are some people are very willing to show they know the rules and very willing to commit and to show they uh, are subdued and submit to what the government is asking them to do, which is in a sense going to be infantilizing them, turning grown adults into children and reversing the whole power, not just of the, of the state and who's in charge, where we now know that firmly the government is in control and the, and the police force who are often enforcing these rules, sometimes in an unlawful way, but also the whole system of public services and even private enterprise. The whole balance of power has changed from the consumer to the provider, where, of course, you go into a pub, into a restaurant, and you're told where to stand, where to sit, when you can move, to put your mask on, not to show your face, not to communicate in a normal way, who you can associate with. Is this person a member of your family? Are they part of your support bubble? And all these complex rules which we now have to follow for a disease, for a virus, which is going to be possibly eradicated by a virus in the very near future. And for one which is has a survival rate, as, which most people will get through. And indeed, the average age of those who die in the UK from COVID-19 is actually 
above the average life expectancy of people in the country anyway. And it's only those who have comorbidities have underlying conditions that would pass away. And then even those who pass away, unfortunately, they actually did they actually die of COVID-19. No, they just tested positive within 28 days. And that's a test which is one which can produce 91 percent false positives. It is that inaccurate. It can detect other coronaviruses to which people have developed therefore immunity to SARS-CoV-2. It detects that and thinks people are infected. It is a really a situation where people have become hysterical and the government has reveled in it. We had the infection rate in London dropping, the so-called R rate, and that was the point in which they imposed a second lockdown, one which they had said to avoid but of course, they were all too willing to bring it back, even though the evidence was out there that it wasn't actually needed. Robert, do the you London know? They're not very good. It has turned a great, vibrant city where people would be out living their lives all hours, made it empty and dissolute. And people are disillusioned with life in London and wanting to, to flee the big cities. What was a success story that had been turned around cities like such as New York and London had been areas of great deprivation crime great social problems that existed in the 80s but then there was the renaissance of cities that existed in the 90s and that was going through and London was developing and that was all succeeding at a good pace until of course they started this scare story and from now we're going to have some really economic issues in London and some social problems as well are going to come out of this. So the mood has changed dramatically. And as we're heading into sort of dark, bleak winter in the UK, it is just made so much more negative by the government who are just trying to push people down and keep them in their place, essentially. Hey, do you have you heard about South Australia, one of our states going into lockdown? I've heard about the activities in Victoria and how the repressive regime, I didn't know it spread into South Australia and how, even though in the, you are now in your whole height of your summer, they're now going into deeper and deeper restrictions. This so, is damaging. And it's, 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 it's madness. It would, we would think it was madness. Indeed, people can't sort why this is happening. We're kind of finding out what is behind all this now because this is orchestrated. The lockdowns are not beneficial to people's health, possibly don't even, possibly, possibly, don't even stop the spread of COVID-19. That can be disputed. Yeah. We'll find that out eventually when it's all properly analysed. But of course, it does make very little medical sense. It makes great political sense for those who want us kept in their boxes. Tell me more about South Australia. Well, you raise an interesting point about the plan. I mean, I assume we're going to start talking about the Great Reset. But before we do, South Australia is a neighbouring state to Victoria, um, just looking up the number of cases, they've had uh, 36 cases. Um, they're calling it an outbreak. I mean, you'd be laughing at these statistics from what you're seeing in the UK and in the US. 36 cases in Adelaide, the, the capital of that state. So they're doing a, a lock, hard lockdown. Everything's closed except it, originally including liquor stores. So all the alcoholics are just going to rage at home, I guess, and beat their wives. But um, they're now going to open liquor stores, but takeaway stores are closed. Restaurants are closed. Everything but supermarkets. Masks are mandatory for 36 cases. What are your cases right now? Thousands? 
Well, the cases are, are, are high, but of course, many of those are indeed false positives. There has been somewhat of a, of a second wave. But of course, the number of hospitalizations, the number of deaths has hardly increased. And they were predicting that there would be 4,000 deaths per day, even at the height of the pandemic back in the spring and early summer. There was never anywhere near like that number. And since then, so many people would have caught, caught the virus and have been, become immune. And people are taking more and more preventative measures, such as washing their hands and, of course, the mask wearing, presuming that even works. There has absolutely never been any reason to suggest that there would be these massive amount of deaths in the UK. Just reveling in making sure people are afraid. And they say that cases would double every two weeks until, of course, more than the entire population of the UK will have had COVID several times over by those statistics. It just doesn't make any sense from a public health standpoint, which is why some people are now looking towards other explanations about what is really going on behind these, these lockdowns and what people term the plandemic. All right, let's go. Let's let's go there. Uh, we're we're right into it. Are we talking about the Great Reset? Because I've read that book now by Klaus, the World Economic Forum. That I bought it on Kindle, and you were correct. It is one hundred percent about resetting the way we live life on this planet. And it's not a conspiracy. Theory. It's 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 in our politicians' offices, as I said on that other interview I did with you. It's um it's by it's opening in the open. They're not hiding their intentions. That they are they are completely open about what their plans are. That's the, the the galling nature of all this. They use the same phrase, build back better. They are quite open about the costs and how this will transform people's lives, not for the for the positives. Uh, it will be one where you know they openly admit the World Economic Forum openly admit this will be the end towards private property and our privacy, but they think we'll be happier for it because our lives will be managed by these wise uh, technocrats, these Olympians uh, sitting on top, uh, on high in their ivory towers, dictating how we live our lives, using the tech industries to control what we can and cannot think even, not just what we say, what we can and cannot even think. That's the, the levels to which their control will go. And the economy would be managed by multinationals. This is corporatism. And corporatism, of course, has another name. It has, a, has some very shady origins indeed this is the really the end of individualism it is the end of uh, people's individual opportunities to get get on in life and make a success and it's the end of their national identity as well they just want us to be some lumpen mass of people consumers at their behest and this is quite they're quite open about it and don't see any shame in admitting what they plan to do and think we'll be happier for it one of the requirements for this is that they need this, this catastrophe that has been the spread of COVID-19 to spread it. It's been plans that have been long in the making. And it's a beneficial crisis that they're taking advantage of. The, these, these transes, these transnational organisations, these supranational systems of government that are emerging, we've established after the Second World War, but are beginning to really take power into how our lives are regulated. And it seems that people are so far willing to allow themselves to be governed right down to the very minutiae of who they meet and when they meet, what products they buy from what shops. It is uh, the biggest transfer of power we've ever experienced in, in possibly generations. It is quite substantial. It is actually a major change. 
equal in a sense to the, the change that came about through, through farming in terms of the relationship between people, uh, the governed and the governing classes. That's the ambition that they have. It is quite dramatic indeed. So, Robert, why? Why? If all of this is true, what's their ambition? What's the reason? And, and also, you said trans corporations, corporatism. So you don't think it's like a traditional, you know, the dictatorships and the those kind of government seats of authority like Putin. You think it's more like a corporate type actor behind it? Well, corporatism is particularly uh, dictatorial itself. The fascism itself is, of course, an imagining of the uh, fulfillment of Marxist ideas in terms of eliminating class conflict, where you would bring together under the sort of management of the state, uh, big business, corporations, of course, you know, unions, aspects of civil society organisations. Democracy therefore becomes redundant. Voting in elections becomes, becomes something that is no longer has any effect because things will be managed centrally. And some people think, that is a very good idea. It's never actually worked in practice. But of course, to call it fascism would not be a, an unfair description. Those on high will always think they want to be making the decision that they're the most informed. They don't want to have a world where people will be voting for Brexit against what they've been told is in their best interests, or electing President Trump, for instance, someone who who sits outside of this internationalist structure, who has publicly spoken against, against these ideas in the United Nations and throughout his campaign speeches, that system cannot be tolerated any longer. They have the opportunity now, just like in China, where they've used social media and the internet to gain more control over people's lives. People thought the internet would be something that, that frees us, gives us greater opportunity in countries like China, it's then become a way of governing what people think and what people say, how people act. And if they aren't on board with what the government wants, they can lose their rights to travel. They can lose their rights to, 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 to jobs, lose their rights to all kinds of opportunities. And it's a very powerful meme. And we have this in, informal system here in the West. If you say the wrong thing on social media, you can find yourself not only potentially losing your job, can also be arrested. In the UK, there's more than 3,000 arrests each year for people who put stuff on semi-private, semi-public networks, views that the state considers to be un unsayable. Uh, even some areas where the, where the law doesn't actually get involved, there's been police going to people's houses, warning people about their thinking when they have liked a poem on Facebook uh, criticising transgenderism. That's the degree of which they're going and the ultimate effect would be to break down the traditional bonds that have kept us together our faith our family and our flag and the those who are status who believe in the the power of government believe it can be a force for good and control are the most vehement to have these restrictions put on us and throughout history we've seen how in the soviet union for instance one could only get on in one's career, not according to your talent. One could only buy a car even if you were known to be a good communist and you'd known to be a card-carrying member of their party and, and were to be part of their part on their, their names on their list who are good people, who, who are what they would define as good. And this is a very powerful way of making people conform. And we have a sort of 
system emerging here that's not too different to how things work in China. Of course, it's not state orchestrated, not yet, not yet. It's coming. And it's what not is just in China? China, you're trying to have the social credit system, which is operating in parts of China right now. Yeah, yeah and it's not too distant here. It's not too dissimilar. We have a similar system here, unofficial, unofficial as yet. But we, so we see the idea being introduced into society that there needs to be restrictions about what people say on social media for health reasons to avoid disinformation. Of course, the situation regarding masks, if you post anti-mask information, you can find your posts deleted. You could find yourself put in Facebook prison even. That's just the thin end of the wedge. Of course, earlier this year, we were told that masks were actually bad for our, our health. We shouldn't be wearing them. We shouldn't, they, they, would be, they would be destructive in terms of giving people a full sense of security. They would spread other diseases. They wouldn't actually stop, stop the spread of COVID-19. Now, of course, we're told that uh, they are mandatory. We must wear them. We must not criticize them. Uh, an American advisor to President Trump, who used scientific evidence, medical evidence, to debunk the idea of masks, had his posts deleted from Twitter. And the idea is then introduced in society about what we can and cannot say. Of course, they'd already banned hate speech, where people may, who may give alternative views on immigration are then criticised, or may people who may talk about traditional ideas of marriage and the family, who would then be potentially, if they say their ideas in the wrong way, potentially facing legal sanction even, would have their face, their, 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 their posts deleted from, from the internet, their views censored. We see this idea spreading into then public health and then it all, then it slowly, it slowly creeps throughout society. And so we're seeing in a sense, big tech and the tech giants, these monopolies essentially, demonetizing people from YouTube, from various other platforms, pressure to have Patreon removed, those who speak their minds freely, and it all starts from there. And slowly the Overton window shuts, it gets ever so more closed, it gets narrower. The ideas that we'd normally want to express in a free society are reduced and the control increases all the time. The state or international institutions in conjunction with the state, it's all part of a pyramid, are essentially taking more control over us. And there's us at the bottom, we find ourselves just aimless consumers in their world with no no identity anymore just there to work in wage slavery not owning property they say this themselves this is the world economic forum's own very idea and then of course we're then in a, in this situation where we have essentially no talk about stakeholders having power but they what they mean by stakeholders is ordinary people like you and me who would want to be property owning are active activists in our own democracy and in charge of our own lives, it would be the, the stakeholders of those who have the power already, and they want to keep hold of this. They've seen how potentially the internet with peer-to-peer investment systems uh, and the spread of ideas which led to, led, to, led to Brexit and say, for instance, President Trump or their two different movements shook their order and they want to use the powers that exist to make sure this can never happen again and to keep us in line. And they want to put China at the forefront of this world. China, with its incredibly awful human rights record, is, is their poster boy for the, for the future. It is quite really astounding. 
Have you? I assume you've seen Black Mirror because they started making it in the UK. Have you seen that series? Not yet. No, I've. Um, I, I do watch many, many different series. I haven't seen that one as yet, but I'd like to learn more about it. I'll, is that so? I assume you've heard of it. It's a dystopian series where they. Um, they, they just sort of posit a dystopian future. It started in, in the UK and it's the most out there um, realities. You know, for example, there's an episode where a lady's uh, in a world governed by the social credit system and, you know, she's mean to someone and they give her a bad review and, um, you know, she can't hire a car, she can't buy a coffee, she can't go on certain escalators and it's, it's uh, it was quite, it's probably four or five years old now and the creators of Black Mirror came out, I think it was last year, and uh, they said the reason we stopped making Black Mirror is because we can't keep up with reality. Yeah, these, these things are meant to be entertainment. I think actually they are manuals for statists uh, <laughs> and leftists and to, about, about what to do. You know, 1984 is, 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 such, a, is such a manual. It's, they, they follow the playbook almost word for word uh, that our freedom of speech is restricted George Orwell sort of said that um, newspeak was the only language whose vocabulary gets smaller each, each year that is something which is happening now there's more and more words we cannot use some of course they will invent uh, these these new sayings that we must use but then of course just to show they're ahead of the game the woke karate will then say well those words which we really previously mandated you can now no longer say that uh, it's, all to, it's all to show who's on the inside and who's on the outside and keeping the outsiders down by creating a whole set of complex rules and language that uh, only the most um, woke and most ridiculous people can actually follow. Indeed, you do actually need a high level of education to somehow marry together support for Islamic immigration, uh, gay rights, feminism, transgenderism, mass immigration and more power to international institutions to marry all that together is does create a whole need for series of mental leaps that only the most privileged and people who have spent wasted their own most money at the best schools and universities can actually manage and it's all to show the common people keeping them in their place essentially and not giving the opportunities that, uh, that people have began to enjoy it's uh, you know, I do really feel that organisations like Extinction Rebellion uh, and even to a degree Black Lives Matter, but particularly Extinction Rebellion, they are mainly upper middle class people who, of course, want to go back to what they see as the good old days when poor people couldn't afford to fly a plane or, or enjoy the benefits of consumerism. It's, a, it's one of the what we call in our book, Mobilitis, a cultural virus, affluenza, is that people want to show how sophisticated they are, their conspicuous consumption. They used to do that through being able to go on a foreign holiday, learn a foreign, learn a foreign language, speak a foreign language even. And, and wear an expensive watch or, or, or kinds of clothes which signalled out what kind of class they belong to and what they aspire to be with the growth of the internet with the growth of a consumer prosperous economy, more and more people have had the opportunity to access those trappings of wealth. So now how do they want to express their, their wealth and their social sophistication? The way to do so is to have a moral currency and to, yes. to come out with the ideas that I previously spoke for, to 
denounce people uh, like Donald Trump, for instance, mm. uh, or, or de denounce a concept of Brexit. That's all a way of showing how sophisticated you are. And at the same time, speaking about mass immigration uh, and then also lauding transgenderism, for instance, all these all these complex ideas. And it's all a way of showing how sophisticated you are. And of course, ultimately, I'm sure the end is to get back to those days when they would price out ordinary people from traveling. And it's all very convenient that this pandemic has given them the exact opportunity to give restrictions that ruin people's opportunities. It's the small stores that will be burned out in Black Lives Matter protests. It's going to be the, the small shops, uh, family-owned businesses that will be ruined by the lockdown. The big multinationals will be able to get through this. They'll be able to get hold of the money through, through bonds and the printing of money through the quantitative easing programs that we've seen. They'll be okay, but we'll lose our, our opportunity to, to get on and, and, and our, our, we'll lose our stakes. Uh, at the same time, we'll lose our op opportunity to travel and the Extinction Rebellion people can then go back to being happy about how the hoi polloi are then kept in their place and keeping the grubby, norm normal, ordinary working people away from their lavish lifestyles, which they want to get back to enjoying without us taking their resources as they see it. Yeah, what did Hillary call them? The, uh, the unwashed masses, the... Uh deplorables the deplorables i think you're forgetting robert that uh that brexiteers are idiots and orange man is the devil but <laughs> let me ask you robert you've been doing this for decades that, that's, how, that's how authoritarian systems spread their ideas and communism or fascism uh, or nazism never uh really advocated it itself never really sold their ideas on that oh we have a better system and we we can prove it We've got the we've got the quantifiable evidence which can show you're better off with us. They would say, well, we're the they would say we're the progressive ones. If you don't think like us, you must be morally defect. If you denounce Mao's policy of killing off the Stalins, uh, then you must be a capitalist roader. Uh, you know, if, if you're uh, if you're denouncing Nazism, you must be a bourgeois Jewish sympathizer and so so forth. They would always point the finger and not come up with any evidence. They would say. If you don't agree with us, you must be morally suspect. And they're using the power of morality uh, and a twisted morality at that to try and get their views over and to try and keep people in their place. And that's exactly what we see with how uh, Brexit was treated. People are being described as, 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 as idiots or, or Donald Trump, the orange man, being denounced as being somehow morally suspect. No evidence is ever provided for this but it's just makes some people make some people conform because i think i don't want to be thought of as a bad guy you know i will then do as i'm told that's often how religions spread that is how how these extremist ideologies spread and we're seeing the same tactics used against us now and it's leading to an age where reason evidence is no longer important only people's feelings and identifying with the side who's saying well we're we're with the we're with the oppressed. We're with people who are who claim to be victims. We are uh, we are morally superior. And if you don't agree with us, you must be part of this oppressive patriarchy. It's preposterous, but it works with some people, particularly those who just want to get on with their lives and want to prosper and want to move up within the system. It, 
you know, indeed to navigate your way through the education system from school to university here. If you're not uh, down with critical theory, then you're going to actually be in a difficult place. People can be bullied at university for being conservatives, for, for having traditional views, uh, for, for just speaking their minds and not taking part in this, this mass hysteria. It is very much one where we have a, a create the system of insiders and outsiders, and they want to keep people in their place, essentially. So. You know, uh, this, this is very interesting talking to you, Robert, because you don't hold back on your views. Uh, I'm, I'm actually quite a progressive person. And so um, I'm keen to get the progressives talking more to the conservatives because I find it's the progressives are putting their fingers in the ear, not so much the conservatives. But why are you so bold with you? Most, most people are. Um, most people would be progressive, but there's progressives who want to, uh, want, want to give opportunity to everybody and not have discrimination against others. But then there's the, the people who use progressive ideology as a way of, of saying to other people, you can't have your voice heard. You, you, you know, so a lot of these people who claim to be progressives are actually authoritarians that want to mm. just keep people in, in their place. It's, it's a political tactic. And the same people who were, who were then using religion to control people at one point uh, uh, and to, 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 to use sort of social conservative ideas for keeping down uh, the lower orders, as it were, have now very quickly morphed into the latest authoritarian ideology, which is to use extreme uh, socially liberal ideas as a way of keeping people down. It's all about pointing the finger, essentially. They don't necessarily believe it and they don't want uh, an open or inclusive world. They just want the opportunity to keep people in their place socially, certainly, just to make sure themselves to make themselves seem superior, but also economically as well, because it's all very convenient uh, that the you know in this country uh, the open board, you know the open immigration policies particularly existed with our relationship with the European Union that benefited the most well off, uh, but impoverished those at the lower end of the income spectrum. It is all very convenient how a lot of these progressive ideas, say, for instance, on open borders and immigration, are actually those which economically suit the uh, interests of those who already have the most power and wealth in society, and they then define that as being good. It's natural they'd think it's good. It's good for them. They've made a lot of money out of cheap labour. It's not something that's helped people at the bottom end, but that's not their interests. So they don't really necessarily care about that. And they just define what is good for them as morally good. And a world where we are broken down, we're atomized into consumers without our, without our national identity and our sense of belonging. Uh, they, they destroy the, the somewheres, as it's called, and turn us into a whole world of anywheres ready to move from one jurisdiction to, to, to another to... Uh, to offer our, our cheap free labour, our cheap labour, uh, is, is something that's very, very suitable to them, and they will naturally support that, and they naturally think that that's righteous. People always thought that um, any economic system which benefited them was always somehow morally superior, and slavery, for instance, was seen as being morally acceptable. No surprise that it was beneficial to a few at the very, very top, mm. and they would then argue that these ideas are somehow morally justified 
and it's all all it's natural that people think like that ultimately all right well here's a challenge for you help me understand this i feel like we've forgotten what progressivism is where it comes from the classical liberalism where it all began the modern day progressive the modern day liberal is quite authoritarian as you say my question is have the old school progressive and liberals morphed into this authoritarian hard left or are they just as disenfranchised and it's this new uh, uprising of the crazy left the, the old school liberals are now what we call conservatives. <laughs> it, it's a, it, the people who were authoritarians have morphed into the, 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 the progressive socially liberals. Uh, it, right. it's in, 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 in Germany, when the Soviet Union took over Eastern Germany and established East, East German state, the, uh, the, People who were happy with the with the Nazi regime quickly morphed into being supportive of the, the new communist regime. Essentially, they were the oh, same thing. The right. the Soviets produced paintings showing what the what the designs of the uh, the uniforms of the uh, the Stasi were, yep. and it was all very very similar to the uniform designs used by the Third Reich. It was all about easing people into this transition. Yes, you've been supportive of the Nazi regime. And look at us. We're essentially the same. We wear the same new type of uniform. People will switch between authoritarian ideas. Essentially, they are wow. authoritarians, and okay. they will use that as an opportunity to, get, to, to keep their position in society, to have more, more control. But... People who are who are forcing social liberalism and restricting freedom of speech, they are they are the people who would fit quite happily into whatever re regime exists. If there is a an authoritarian regime, they will support it. They will doff their cap. They will try and do whatever they can to get on and use that system for their own advantage and will gravitate towards what is the most intolerant ideology. And at the People, people genuinely did support communism in Eastern Europe because they wanted to. They wanted to get on. They wanted to prove that they were good people, and people have gravitated towards the extreme social liberalism, which restricts people's freedom of speech and puts people in prison, uh, deletes their posts for putting out scientific evidence and uh, medical evidence and rational arguments. Uh, purely because it is authoritarian and they will gravitate towards that. And now the people who are the rebels, who would have been the social liberals and the real progressives, are now called the deplorables and uh, will perhaps identify with conservatives. But essentially, they are the true liberals who want to protect the enlightenment values of freedom of speech, of tolerance and, uh, and, and open discussion and debate. So really, the... the, the the progressives are <laughs> never were really that progressive. They were always regressive, uh, repressive, and ultimately suppressive. You're scaring me, Robert, because you're telling me that if it's just the authoritarians, when the Great Reset is defeated, they'll just go for the next hammer to hit us over the head with. Well, they they always will and always have, and we see sort of uh, uh, 
meet the media often hunting as a pack and uh, obeying what is the uh, what is the general orthodoxy what is the accepted opinions we'd have sort of publications say for instance like the economist which backed appeasement in the 1930s backed keynesianism uh, and the the consensus in britain uh, in the uh, after the second world war of course when that all changed and fell apart they then backed thatcherism and monetarism and, and free markets. Uh, and now, of course, they're, they're, they're slavishly, whereas they had been previously against free trade in the past, now they're in favour of it. It's, you, you see some people who will just try and get along and, and parrot what they think their master wants them to be saying, what they will be reflecting their master's voice, essentially. And so they will do, but our, our job and our role is to continue to question in a in a sense sort of like in Socrates to asking them difficult questions of course he ultimately paid paid with his life but of course uh, for for asking these questions for wanting to challenge people's sacred cows but this is something we need we need to do to keep society healthy ultimately perhaps history will show that we win but if they continue to, these tech giants continue to have more control over our lives, the our ideas will get get less opportunity for an airing. But things can change rapidly. We saw how things such as MySpace, Friends mm. Reunited, Second Life, mm. uh, Orchid, there are all these big social media organisations, companies and technologies that were simply massive back in their day now we have to struggle to actually remember them orca was backed by google and it just it's just disappeared it's been replaced by by facebook there's no reason why uh the the trend of people departing from uh free speech restricting twitter to parlor cannot become a flood things can change very rapidly and we sort of envisage society working such as you will have people who will want to be restricting what we say and what we do and trying to trying to make society uh, according to the image that they want to project but society naturally produces what contrarians what we call antibodies in the system that will challenge it and these people can be uh, often uh, uh, romantic figures often people who've got great charisma which then people can get behind people who challenge the system who just naturally just speak out because of their contrarian nature in the uk we have people like nigel farage in america they have donald trump and these people act as a systems reset in themselves whenever one particular ideology becomes too powerful power gets amassed centrally around one uh, in one set of institutions or around one idea and one ideology these people will speak up and challenge it and that's what we've seen emerging you have the same people in australia as well and these people are naturally uh, as they're charismatic because they uh, question the orthodoxy often get support around them and then society has the opportunity to reset as long as they're given the opportunity to have freedom of speech that's absolutely critical then to, to allow society to evolve and change and to act as this um, this 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 safety valve to let let off let off the pressure from the authoritarians and to change the way they act and and so there is an opportunity in society to challenge this it doesn't necessarily mean 
that these authoritarians will ultimately win. Indeed, society naturally produces people who will stop them winning as long as they're given the opportunity to speak out. If indeed freedom of speech is restricted on social media, then we are in a very dark situation indeed. Are you one of these antibodies, Robert? Because as I said, you've been doing this for decades. I don't understand why you're doing it. What drives you? Well, what, one thing that, that drives me is that uh, I've always had a, a sense of justice and, uh, and, and, and a belief in, in, in the truth uh, and to challenge uh, orthodoxy. That, that's just something which naturally comes. Uh, you could say I'm, I am a bit of a rebel. I wouldn't necessarily say I have the charisma of someone like uh, Nigel Farage or even Donald Trump who can uh, entertain rallies of tens of thousands of people and perform a, essentially a stand-up routine for yes. a several hours waxing lyrical, which is, uh, which is a great, um, great triumph and great skill. I couldn't necessarily, I'm sure, I'm sure I couldn't do that, but I can provide the ideas and give uh, the, the my organisational abilities to, to get their ideas out there. And uh, the Bruges Group uh, would operate work very closely with people such as Nigel Farage and other MPs who are willing to, to speak out. And we would all sort of work, work together to change how uh, things were done in this country vis-a-vis -vis our membership of the European Union. We were incredibly successful. There was a time when if you thought that Britain should leave the EU, you were, you were seen as being either mad or some, somehow evil, uh, certainly beyond the pale. We've changed that. We made it so that, uh, uh, you know, that, that became the government policy and what most people voted for in a referendum. But certainly there is a need to, I have this do, I do have this need to, 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 to challenge authority if I see it is undemocratic and is acting in, well, just, it is there and it's, and it's just too powerful over people's lives. We see that with how the European Union would be overbearing. And then, of course, the Great Reset, they put their heads above the parapet, and this needs to be challenged. I've always been against the uh, centralisation of power. I, I can recall looking back at uh, when I was just a, just a young boy reading about the history of ancient Greece, and I learned about the, uh, about the uh, Delian League, where Athens said to its sort of neighbouring states in Greece, oh, let's just have mutual defence. Let's all just cooperate. Uh, so that we can defend ourselves against the Persians. And they uh, got, got other states in on, other city-states in on their, their league, established a system where they'd all be a system of mutual defence. And it's like, well, OK, let's have one single treasury. Let's have, let's, 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 let's mess that. that. That's more efficient, isn't it? And they established then a treasury. At, uh, uh, and then, of course, Athens said, well, we're going to take this treasury now. It's all going to be hours and it quickly transformed into an empire or as they would call it a hegemon and this is something that's you know societies always can go down this slippery slope where individuals and states and the, de the democratic nation state which is the most inclusive identity that we have the most uh, responsive uh, democracy democratic system that we can have when there's function and there's a properly functioning nation state it's been a great success story but there's always been these movements to undermine people's autonomy in terms of their, their own personal life, their family life and the life of, of states. And that's something that I've always found abhorrent. I've always been against centralisation. I want to have a situation where people have more power over their own lives, more opportunity 
and can make their own decisions. If we let people make their own decisions, they will make better decisions. Uh, every, you know, from the very simplest level, where uh, driving on the roads, what there was the idea of what they called naked streets, where they removed road signs, removed traffic lights. Yeah, they, would allow, yeah. they would allow the drivers not to be governed by the by the traffic lights and the in, in, inhumane systems of road management which they established, but to just make their own decisions. If it's safe to proceed, proceed. And what they would see is the, the drivers would then interact with other drivers. They would give permission to another driver to proceed. They would give a wink with their eyes, give their horn, flash their lights, whatever it would be. They would interact with other drivers. Yeah, you go. And it would work so much better and it would be safer. People would be making better decisions. The system we have with just traffic lights, for instance, you put your foot on the brake hard if the lights turns red. Well, of course, you accelerate if it's, uh, if it's orange. And as soon as it's green, you go. You don't look about the safety. You, you just go and bludgeon your way through. With, with the sort of naked streets, allowing people to make their own decisions and for drivers to interact, it's actually far better. And I think that throughout our lives, uh, through from that very basic level of just traffic management mm. uh, to, to systems of government, if you allow people and states to make their own decisions and nations and people acting uh, acting according to what they what they think it, think is best in discussions with other people that is far better than this top down system which is inefficient but it's something in human nature that elites always want to keep control of other people that's just something that's as old as the hills that's natural that's ingrained we saw that with the emergence of of farming uh, it's People want to then establish systems of, of control and think they can know better, that they think they can know better than individuals and the market. Of course, they don't, and these systems always fail, but it's a human folly they want to control. And this great reset is just another opportunity to, for people who think they know best to, and possibly have good, in, good intentions, but there's nothing more uh, tyrannical than a, a dictatorship which thinks it is governing in the best interests of its people because these people who uh, think they're morally superior, think they're doing the right thing, can do literally anything from the gulag to mass starvation uh, to keep people uh, in line because they think it's for the benefit of, of everybody. So it's best to leave people to make their own decisions. And we really want to avoid a situation where the great and the good are running our lives for us because they can do really anything and have throughout history, but some people never learn. Thank you for quoting C.S. Lewis, basically. Now yeah. About, yeah. Just for the audience, we better say it. Would you like to say the quote? Or do you remember it or should I say it? You say it. I've talked All right. So, so C.S. Lewis says that it's better to live under robber barons than moral busybodies because a robber barons, um, meanness or their cupidity their greed may sometimes sleep but those who persecute us uh, for our own good do so with the approval of their own conscience and so their torment never ends and that is exactly where we find ourselves great man yes absolutely yeah yes thank you for giving us so many great things england i appreciate it <laughs> hey uh do you ever turn off robert you you you're wearing me out man you are you, you just keep going you're full of passion. I, I'm, I'm very, very motivated. It's, uh, uh, <laughs> I, I, I can actually remember when uh, we'd won, we'd won the referendum, uh, and this is on the 23rd of, of, uh, of June 20, 2016. 
and of course afterwards you know we've been up been up all night and sort of yeah. celebrated it hadn't sort of really settled in and then the whole sort of weekend afterwards we were just all, all, all just sleeping and then on the monday we were uh, uh parliament was talking and the, the then prime minister david cameron uh, was saying oh, britain will be leaving the european union i was like oh 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 you know i've been fight i've been fighting this uh, full time since two th- since early two thousand and one. I think, what am I going to do now? Uh, so I am I am very I am very motivated, and something which has come uh, through my family, who always campaigning politically. Uh, of course, they were more well, they were very very on the left, but uh, but have since come to down to my way of thinking. We're actually voting conservative and for the Brexit party to get Brexit done, even though before they'd have a bust of Lenin at home. I can remember debating politics with with my cousin Mary, and now she's been watching many sites that, uh, and I'll send her the link to this uh, this this video as well. It, it's, uh, it, it's it's great how people have progressed uh, politically, and and I really do have this sort of whole history in me of wanting to to do the right thing politically and make sure that people are, are free to make the right their own decisions which will you know, undoubtedly some people will essentially get things wrong but that's part of life that's part of a learning process but what we need is a, a world where people try many different things many different systems uh, many different uh, ways of living uh, but uh, that would where we can all learn from each other, but to homogenize us into one in, internationally run uh, great reset system is actually counter to what is in our best interests and will actually lead to those who have the power and the wealth at the moment being able to amass even more and have more control. And that there will be one point where regulations are made and only the very most wealthy and powerful have the opportunity to get to the heart of government and get their voices heard. And it will be a very inefficient world, uh, the, the, the world that we're looking at, unless, of course, we can challenge it, but they put their heads above the parapet. They thought the problems with COVID-19 was a great opportunity to get their ideas over. Certainly it is, but they've gone, I think, a little bit too far and they've made it quite public about what they want to achieve. And now we're just, it's just given us the opportunity say no actually the world we envisage where one where people have greater freedom is the is the better model and we'll see what wins in the end well i'm robert i'm glad there's people like you out there with the energy and the passion to do it i'm i just feel too tired to do what you're doing you've been fighting brexit you just said since 2001 19 years uh, yeah be be uh, be 20 years in january yes yeah you know you're gonna Yes. You know you're going to be fighting it for another 20 years because your your bloody House of Lords, I think it's your House of Lords that's screwing it up. No matter how many times the people vote for Brexit, you just you cheeky buggers won't give it to them. Well, yeah, this is, they're they're a fine example of the great and the good and uh, an unaccountable, unelected establishment. People who think they they know better. Of course, people voted uh, first of all uh, for for well first of all, for Brexit, but earlier they'd voted for a government that promised a referendum. Opinion polls showed most people wanted massively, almost 80% of people wanted this referendum on EU membership. That referendum finally came. That was won by those advocating leaving the European Union. Then, of course, two years later, they voted overwhelmingly in a general election, one year later, rather, overwhelmingly in a general election for parties who advocated taking us out. 
uh, when, of course, though many of those MPs reneged on what they had promised. Two years later, in 2019, they voted for a political party that was firmly committed to taking us out. Again and again, people have expressed their view about what they want. And this has been attempted to be stymied by members of the House of Lords. And we see well-funded campaigns funded openly by the uh, George Soros's uh, foundation. There's a whole great deal of international pressure uh, being put on British people to change their mind, but they wanted to stick to their decision. And it's been to Britain's benefit so far. The, every kind of scare story that they predicted would happen if we uh, voted to leave the European Union turned out to be not only wrong, not only false, but actually the complete reverse. We were told it would lead to higher unemployment. It led to lower unemployment and actually higher employment. We were told it mean less foreign direct investment. We actually created record levels of foreign direct investment. We were told it would mean higher interest rates. Interest rates actually uh, actually would been reduced. It, we were told it would mean government debt growing, actually government debt had actually, the, the, the deficit rather, would actually reduced. Uh, everything they had predicted, everything kind of scare story, where they're saying, you know, you silly people, you must do as we say, you don't know what you're doing, turned out to be wrong. Ordinary people do know better. Um, uh, the, the wisdom of, of, of crowds, people can indeed make better decisions themselves in their own lives and in a, in a, in a functioning democracy. They usually do. And they should be given the opportunity to live their lives according to that system, not not this, in a sense, totalitarian system which is yeah. which is emerging, and they think is for our is, is for our good, but will ultimately be for our torment. So, so wait, are you are you still in the European Union, or are you out, or are you half out? What's going on? Oh, we're we're half out. We're out of Europe, but still run by Europe. So we're uh, in in the worst of all worlds. Argue, arguably, uh, there was a. a there's a transitional agreement. We formally left the European Union on the 31st of January this year, 2020, uh, but then entered this transition where we'd still be governed by the European Union rules and essentially nothing had changed. Uh, that's now meant to come to an end on the 31st of December this year, just be an 11 month transition. But this is being negotiated at the moment. There is the fear that, because uh, the European Union is saying, well, you must still follow our rules, the same, the so-called level playing field. You must uh, give us control over your financial services industry. You must uh, give us access to our fish, to your fishing waters. Uh, the, the, the best fishing waters in the European Union were, were British waters that we'd surrendered as part of our membership, something that they created just for us. So we're in a sort of situation where we're in this uh, no man's land, this, uh, this sort of zombie existence as an independent country. We're technically independent but still governed by EU rules and the European Union wants us to leave this transition and enter a new agreement where we would essentially still be run by the EU but Britain is saying no we're not happy with that and we'll see over the next month or so what happens in the negotiations whether Britain can indeed get a good deal from the European Union that allows us to mutually trade and uh, cooperate with each other but without being governed by the EU once we're out or indeed leave uh, under world organization world trade organization terms and the other sort of international agreements that exist that should guarantee trade is, is open which is some, what some people call no deal 
So essentially the kind of Brexit we get, and if we get a real Brexit, is all up for grabs over the next month. So you're, you're effectively, right now, you're still in. And nothing's changed, really, in practice. And you, yeah, yeah. yeah, most people would actually argue that we're still in the EU and, and still use that language. Technically, we're not, but we're, you know, we're outside of the EU, but we're still following their rules. Uh, so in a sense, we're still part of their, their system, uh, which hopefully will end at the end of this year. We'll see. But we're certainly keeping the pressure up to make sure that Boris, uh, British Prime Minister, doesn't actually cave in and protect British sovereignty. Like he does for everything else. Sorry? Doesn't cave in like he does for everything else. What a disappointment. Absolutely, yeah. Which has been some worrying developments recently. Uh, Several of his his staff, uh, his his spokesmen, uh, who were active in the Vote Leave campaign, have since been dismissed. And his his fiancée, uh, Carrie Simmons is seem to be in charge of government uh, decisions at this point in time. We'll see what what happens with that, but it does create a uh, an extra measure of uncertainty for, from the Eurosceptic point of view, and does mean we're going to have to push that a little bit harder over the coming weeks and this month to make sure that we do actually leave the EU fully and become a sovereign nation again in the world and then open ourselves to our traditional friends New Zealand Australia Canada and so forth re reimagine and, and rekindle those links which were great success stories and that's where we want to take sort of Britain we want to be Britain open to the wider world particularly your nation Australia yeah I think people can uh, sort of think who cares what happens to another country but what we've noticed is little odd Victoria here where we had compulsory masks, the longest and hardest lockdown in the world, arguably, with zero cases all the time. Uh, I, I don't know why we're not measuring morbid outcomes anymore. We're measuring cases. But anyway, it's another discussion. Uh, that served, it seems to me, as a license for other governments around the world to say, see, it was done in a first world nation. The, the people didn't really complain. There weren't really protests. Approval ratings are up. We can do the same thing. And that's why I think it's important, the work you're doing in Britain, although it doesn't affect me directly so much. Um, I really appreciate the fact that you are fighting for liberty and you're going to you know, push for, against that authoritarianism, which is, is creeping on our world. So I don't know if you think you're doing something for me, but you are. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I'm very concerned about the situation in, in Victoria, which I which I've seen the the extensive powers of the of the, of the police restricting political protests. If it's a political protest, the the state doesn't agree with. Black Lives Matter protests were allowed. Uh, environmental protests were allowed. Protests against the restrictions on freedom of speech uh, and freedom of assembly were not allowed. That is absolutely perverse and it is actually very worrying uh, a lot of a lot of politicians want to be Jacintha from New Zealand yes. and dictator your dictator Dan Dan Andrews I believe his name is has been t- done this on on steroids and of course I when people give their approval rating I don't I think they're being somewhat disingenuous we would see in in communist countries in Eastern Europe for instance there would be the uh, there would be two kinds of truths. 
there would be the public truth where they would be very supportive of, of the party and the, the system and um, whatever regime was in power. And then there would be the private truth where they would have uh, conversations with people they could trust, with friends and family, where they would give a very, very different perspective and they would be honest. I think in these opinion polls, people naturally say they support these measures because they think anything to do with COVID, that they have to be supportive of the government. It's a partly it's a wartime uh, mentality. Partly they don't want to be accused. It's they're they're, they're scared of saying we well, want my grandmother to die. You know, it's uh, pe people yeah. pe people don't actually support these uh, measures uh, I, I, as, as much as the surveys suggest. Uh, people are, are saying it because whenever there's a question of COVID, they'll always give an answer that they support. The government in the UK, when they introduced the first lockdown, approval ratings for the government went through the roof. Um, people were very willing to go out and clap on the streets in favour of the uh, National Health Service, uh, which, is, which is pretty much a failing institution in, in the UK, uh, something which no other country uh, has, has replicated. It doesn't really work very well as a health service, but people were there to, to, to celebrate this new religion and to show their, their obedience of people well, are very willing to give positive answers about COVID restrictions, but I don't think they really support it and don't really want it to, to apply. They just think it's the appropriate answer to give and, uh, and, and indeed scared of saying otherwise, because indeed uh, to question it can indeed lead to censorship on social media. And even in the case of uh, what we've seen in Victoria, people can be arrested yep. for inciting challenges what they call insurrection this is bizarre it is extreme and to be uh, having this undertaken is is very alarming not just i, I have a great deal of sympathy for, for the people of victoria and the people of south australia as well and have had to live through these lockdowns when they've had you know, zero cases in some cases for for 14 days i understand it was in in victoria and a, and a handful of cases in in south australia just 36 i believe you mentioned to have that kind of repression and su suppressive policies put on people gives a green light to other countries around the world. And in America, if indeed there is to be a Biden presidency, which I'm is by no means certain at this point in time. Indeed, there's a number of scenarios where he, he, he won't be president and Donald Trump stays on. Uh, uh, even with the vaccine just around the corner, there is a, there's already a Chinese vaccine developed. There's the Sputnik mm. Russian vaccine. Mm. Moderna and Pfizer Biotech have, uh, have have vaccines. They're talking about putting America into a really restrictive lockdown yeah. and compulsory mask wearing, even though hope, it, we presume the vaccine will work, is just around the corner. Brazil has already bought the uh, bought the Chinese vaccine and is supplying that to people from, from January this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity. They will see it to take away our humanity. And one of the great ways in which humans interact is with our, through our faces, through our expressions, how we can speak uh, and communicate through showing how we feel through, through smiling. That's how people interact. That's how people understand the meaning of words. It's not just what is said. It's how we, how we say it but to have us wearing masks where we can't really understand interact with our fellow human is indeed dehumanizing and it's uh, is all very very convenient it really does take away our identity leftists have always wanted to re re remove 
our identity uh, in the uh, in, in the Soviet Union, they would rename in sort of re, in, in, in states that are taken over, they would rename villages, try and make a break with the past, encourage uh, encourage children to denounce their parents, smash the past, whatever it was, uh, create uh, in other communist countries, they want to have their cultural revolution or create a year zero. This is the same phenomenon. It might not have exactly the same intentions, but the effect is to destroy everything that had gone before in the past. It begins with saying, well, this statue in America, that is unsafe. Of course, it was never, these statues were never racist uh, under Obama. But then, of course, they begin to, to question it. And Donald Trump said, you know, if, it begin, if you're going to take down Confederate statues, where does it all end? And then it ends, you know, it's, it's everything. It's, it's destroying Mount Rushmore, uh, destroy statues of... Uh, of, of, of Grant, of Lincoln even. It's, uh, it is quite uh, astounding. Yes, everybody would have uh, uh, their own questionable past in, in history and would not be exactly the kind of people we'd want them to be today. But the idea is to smash everything that's gone before. Uh, in a, in, in, this is cultural Marxism, to, to make a, a scenario where people no longer have a historical route and those people who have their history erased are open to manipulation that's the aim and it's all very convenient and it's very deliberate and this cultural revolution and year zero that we're having inflicted upon us which will include a a social economic demographic revolution is something that most people don't want fostered on them or at least they want to be asked and consulted first but the year zero is a very important part of their project. And it all it's all coming together under the Great Reset. All right. I have a uh, I have some bad news for you and a question for you because you're starting to talk about culture and I want to talk about the culture wars. The bad news is that here in Victoria, our premier is called Dan Andrews, and there's been a hashtag trending. I know that's a very small subset of the of the population, but there's been a hashtag I stand with Dan. Well, now the ha- people say dictator Dan. Now there is a new hashtag. Uh, I stand with dictator Dan or just dictator Dan. And people are saying he smashed the coronavirus because look, I disagree with the lockdowns and a lot of the, a lot of the uh, negative effects and the business is destroyed. And, and the, that's lagging indicators. It's going to take years to, to survey the devastation. However, we can't deny that our cases and our infections went from whatever to zero. So I'm finding it difficult to uh, attack uh, lockdowns because they have, I guess, kind of worked like a, a sledgehammer on a mosquito, but we have no cases here. So help me, Robert, how do I fight a culture war when people are saying, if dictator Dan killed the virus like that, then I stand with dictator Dan. He can be my dictator any day. There's a culture thing going on here uh, where authoritarianism is becoming cool. Oh, yeah, amongst the young, uh, authoritarianism has always been uh, been something that they've favoured. It's the young people were the most passionate uh, in, the, in the Soviet pioneers. The Red Guards in, in, in China were predominantly young people. Uh, in the Normandy uh, in invasion, the, the biggest... Uh, most most deadly opponent, the most difficult opponent Allied forces faced was the Hitler Youth. Young people have often been uh, 
attracted to uh, extremist ideas and authoritarian ideas, whatever that may be. Somewhere someone claims to have the truth uh, and will willingly smash those who uh, question it and, and want their way, uh, their, 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 their morality imposed upon other people, they will, they will align with that. And some people are, are unfortunately take that perspective. I would argue that, you know, I, I, I think I'm quite good at detecting long-term trends. I, I predicted back in the noughties that Britain would leave the European Union by the 1st of January 2020. I was technically wrong by one month uh, and possibly, uh, possibly, um, uh, possibly would be out of the, the EU sort of fully by the end of this year. So one year uh, being wrong isn't isn't so so yeah. bad. I can see how things are are changing. Uh, there will come a point where young people, when they realise that their uh, middle class parents are think the same as them uh, on on terms of sort of liberal social issues, they might think, well, this is this is no longer cool. Uh, but it's actually, I think, there's a generation Z coming through are actually more conservative. Uh, than than the, than the millennials, and there will be people who emerge who are who are uh, who are these antibodies that I spoke of, these these contrarians, and they will be the the attractive figures. That, that if, as long as they're given the opportunity to speak out, as long as uh, the tech industries and the law doesn't restrict their freedoms uh, to to say what they want to say and the opportunity to assemble uh, as as they wish to get their message over, uh, then they will they they will be the attractive ones. So. Some people are willingly submitting to a dictator, Dan, because some people always will try and obey the most authoritarian, illiberal uh, regime and ideology that exists. But the evidence, I'm sure, will be on our side. COVID will be a thing of the past, partly through vaccines and, of course, through the natural cycle, the, the sort of Gumpert's uh, cycle of, of, of the spread of viruses they all eventually decline. People's immunity builds up for viruses eventually over time, over a long period of time, become less deadly. And indeed, in some cases, some diseases through vaccination can indeed and have been eliminated. So COVID will be a thing of the past. What will remain is destroyed businesses, health ruined, mental health ruined, a whole system that people had enjoyed for for generations trashed, and at that point, people will not be will not be celebrating when they're struggling to find a job and find just as the World Economic Forum hopes that they find these themselves in this situation that they don't own anything and have no therefore no little control over their own lives and that the democracy has been abandoned, their opportunities for free speech there will ultimately be a pushback. So I think as long as we can protect our freedom of speech, we can actually win this and people will not be not be thankful. It's just this, there's this phenomenon where people are expect, expressing the public truth that they support anything uh, regarding uh, COVID, any, any measures that the governments produce from whatever angle from whatever uh, angle the government comes from, whether it's of the, of the right or the left, I understand uh, Dan Andrews is a, is a left of centre politician. They will, they, people will support it because they think it's the appropriate thing to say. But I think they, deep down, many people don't and just want these restrictions 
to pass and for people to live their lives freely again uh, as our natural human instincts want us to live. So do you uh, have, do you, do you agree or disagree with the thought that politics and government is downstream of culture? Oh, absolutely. Everything comes from culture. Ultimately, that's the absolute center. And in some cases, things don't actually change a great deal. Uh, Things on the surface may change if we can sort of look at, say, for instance, uh, how, how, say, for instance, uh, Japan uh, in pre-war, people were told to be supportive uh, and back the back the militarists. Then, of course, after the war, people were told to. Um, it's, I'm, I'm a military historian. Told to, uh, amongst other things, were told to uh, give up give up weapons uh, to embrace peace. And people conformed. That would, on the face of it, seem to be like a radical switch in society. Yeah. But actually, it was essentially the same. It was the same people obeying. Uh, what what was um, what they were told to do essentially yeah. so you know so some things can and don't change that much deep deep down because culture is very very uh, important and there's various aspects uh, about Germany which haven't changed a great deal uh, from the from the time of the Weimar Republic to now, even though on the face of it, there's been radical shifts in, in who's who's in charge. So politics is ultimately downstream of culture. And that's why we countries such as Britain, Australia, the United States, Canada, New Zealand have, of course, enjoyed this, this freedom because there is this culture of freedom within those countries and those societies comes from Anglo-Celtic notions of individual freedom. It comes from the uh, religious uh, religion of Protestantism, which helps enable uh, enable capitalism and free markets and free enterprise. And this has this has existed. But at the same time, there's also been within these cultures a very uh, a very top-down system of control and people thinking that they know best, a very uh, Church of England approach, uh, high Tory, uh, where uh, paternalists would want to, be, uh, want to be governing the lives of, uh, of the lower orders, of, of the serfs. That's something which has always existed and competed against notions of freedom and, uh, and individuality within these societies. At the moment, I would argue that this... Uh, is this top-down uh, high Tory paternalism is actually in the ascendancy at the moment, and we just need to push back against you know societies in the sense that is this uh, our societies in our sort of uh, Anglo-Celtic uh, Australia sort of the Anglosphere societies all have this continual battle between those two traditions, and so we just I presume most mo- most people actually value their freedom. And we're willing to push back. Uh, the 80% of us want to live our lives normally, and there's just only often 15% who are the who are the uh, who, who are the elites who want to govern how we live and control our lives for our own good, of course, but also to make sure that we know our place at the same time. We just need to sort of push back. They've got a great deal of power. They've got uh, the economic wealth. 
and much of the political power and control over the mainstream media and much of social media as well. But of course, we have the numbers and we have the ideas which are most prosperous, uh, that can create the most dynamism in society and need to be listened to and can force ourselves to be listened to if we so wish, as long as we're willing to stand up to this just no more than 15% of people who have these paternalistic notions of keeping us down. But how do you win the culture wars? Because we know of the left's long, mar long march through the institutions. Uh, yeah, we, one of the pe people will, will quickly change as soon as they realise that it's not in their interest. Some people will be, uh, you know, we are in, in our book, Moral Light as a Cultural Virus, we've, uh, the, the Bruce Group has predicted or, or, or envisaged uh, the sort of political correctness and wokeism uh, as if it's a virus and spreading through society. You have some people who are actively spreading this disease because they want to create a cultural revolution, a so-called cultural Marxist. They want to undermine the faith, the family, the flag. They want to destroy what had gone before because they want to open us up to state socialism. And to, and to and to more control in our lives, they they couldn't understand why people hadn't taken on the brilliance of Marxism, and they they believed that there was your, your viewers will know this very well your, that um, that to to, to 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 open up society for the inevitability of communism, they had to destroy the society that had gone before, and even even Marx was understanding of these ideas later developed by people like Gramsci and. Herbert Marcuse in the United States. And so these people, there will be people who are spreading those ideas for that end. Other people will be getting on, on board with this program because partly because they're scared, they think they have to say it. Um, they're they're eventually just, essentially just infected and just want to, want to power whatever gets on. And some people may end up believing it, but if the money, the opportunity uh, for, for money uh, changes, because at the moment, that the system is pretty much rigged to be favouring uh, the, the cultural Marxists. So they're, they're the ones who will receive the, the research grants. They're the ones who will be able to get the promotions in the in the companies by celebrating uh, diversity, which is, which is certainly not diversity of opinion. Some people just want to get on. But as soon as the opportunity is, is no longer there for them, as soon as it no longer pays, many people will switch. And as soon as other people come along, such as Donald Trump, for instance, then, of course, they give a voice for ideas which challenge this, uh, the, these notions. Uh, and as long as elections aren't rigged, uh, we can be sure that uh, people such as Donald Trump will be in ascendancy and will cut off the tap uh, towards funding critical race theory, for instance, in, a, in, in, in American institutions. And things can change quite dramatically. And just as people, as I mentioned earlier, can quickly move away from one model of social media to another, people could quickly change their minds. There was a time when people were using, using uh, religion in some cases to make sure that people were obeying what they wanted. It was never about the religion, it was about using, using people's belief systems or using, using their belief system to keep some people in their place. And they've just they've now abandoned that that model uh, and uh, embracing other secular religions such as radical 
uh, environmentalism, the Extinction Rebellion uh, movement, uh, and of course, sort of Black Lives Matter and, and so forth, and other things which require faith. Uh, we, we sort of moved in a sense from belief in transubstantiation to belief in political transsexualism. It's uh, both, the, the, wow. both are willing to, uh, the, the, they're willing to destroy every notion that has gone before in order to just have this cultural revolution. Some people think they have to just parrot this. In some people, in some cases, some people do have to parrot it because they are genuinely scared. But ultimately, it it won't actually win because we will speak up and we will use evidence and reason and rational debate to win. And also, ultimately, I, sometimes people pass on their political views to their to their children the kind of society that they're creating i think a lot of these people who are rather woke i think they're a lot less likely to have children they'll be yes. spending too time too long on their career or indeed in some cases we see some this virus mutating to such extremes this intellectual pathogen that's infected them what we call moralitis to such degrees that they become absolutely absurd that the ideas they parrot are then just ridiculous you we've seen various movements in spain for instance there was a group who went around trying to liberate chickens from a chicken farm okay. because they, the, the chickens they thought were being subject to unwanted sexual unconsented sexual activity with other chickens uh, forced on them by the farmer to, to in aid of the capitalist patriarchy I put it to you that people with those wacky ideas uh, are very likely to reproduce. They are, they, are, they are going to be a minority. These people are not going to be attractive to the opposite sex, and in which case they will become a minority. And so ultimately, those who have more what we would consider conservative opinions now, of course, what are actually real liberal opinions, are actually more likely to have children uh, and more likely to propagate their ideas and be normal functioning people in society that don't talk about weird stuff and don't try and ram strange political, ever mutating, odd political beliefs down people's throats. The danger is, however, is that just as in, in Iran, you had liberal students who backed the Ayatollah, Ayatollah Khomeini, taking power thinking oh this is oh he's a religious person oh he's he's a he's a, he's a good muslim he will uh he'll, he'll protect our rights whereas the shah didn't and of course they found that they're, they're in a more illiberal situation than what actually existed under the uh under under the shah of iran who was himself essentially a dictator but it, things were actually worse we have a, a running the risk in western society that we'd be importing people from developing nations who would have very real, real uh, illiberal opinions and deeply held social, socially conservative, intolerant, intolerant um, views that they would actually be the ones who would be forming the greater share of the population going forward or a significant point, a significant number of people. So there is a danger that the, the woke ideas that want to have open borders uh, and want to have this this extreme progressive a liberal viewpoint will actually find they become replaced essentially ideologically by a significant proportion of the population 
who will be taking the genuinely extremist ideas from some parts of the world and they'll find that the, the woke brigade will become smaller and that essentially they will be their own grave digger um, in terms of the longer term demographic changes which some countries, particularly Sweden, uh, are going through. Sweden, a country in, in Northern Europe, as you'll know, has had a policy of very open immigration. Uh, white liberals thought it was ever so good to import people from developing nations, which have then been found themselves sunk uh, on, on sinker states uh, and have, they have very different attitudes, very illiberal attitudes in some cases, and that could actually be the, the, the death of Swedish liberalism. Uh, Swedish liberalism will ultimately eat itself. This is uh, quite a positive uh, view you're giving in a mac the macro prediction in your book that uh, the woke brigade will eat themselves and die out naturally. So, so the name of your book, again, I'll put the link down below, but it's I haven't read it yet. Sounds like a good book to read. Something it's more like, moral yeah, life moral a cultural virus. A cultural virus. I love that metaphor that you're using for it. How about we end the conversation with some predictions? Because if you predicted Brexit within 12 months or within a month, 10 years out, I've got your macro prediction that you've just covered. Do you, can you do any micro predictions for us? Uh, Trump, uh, 20, you know, the, the next elections in America after that, um, Australia and New Zealand, obviously, because the audience down here. I mean, you know that we're voting in socialist people down here, right? We voted in Jacinda with a thumping majority in New Zealand. We, Queensland just fell to a similar sort of thing. And Dan Andrews here in Victoria, it looks like we're going to vote him back in in about a year and 10 months' time from now. Any thoughts on our region? Things can change very quickly. When when coronavirus is a, is a thing of the past and it's been, it's been eliminated, people will be wondering why the economy in Victoria is so awful and why people don't have uh, have have their have their freedom and people would have forgotten all about this and this this phenomenon where people just support anything the government says on on covid anything the powers in be uh, want to impose on us in the name of covid that situation will change people in the uk were completely fed up with rationing uh, that existed during and the ration cards that would be given to they could go to they can only buy things, food, for instance, from the shops with their ration cards during the Second World War. The Labour government continued that after the Second World War, thinking it was over such a good system that people were absolutely sick of it. And these, uh, uh, and there will be, there will inevitably be a, a pushback. So I think that Dan Andrews could find himself in not so rosy situation in in a year's time in America. There is a very real possibility that as long as the investigations into the fraud, uh, which did happen, if it indeed was big enough on a big enough scale to change the election result, which is actually on a very small scale, it just takes 50,000 votes to be taken out from a number of key states for Biden to lose any majority that he may have on the Electoral College, in which case the matter is then the Electoral College can't come to a conclusion the matter then goes to the House, where there would be one vote per state, not not each delegate, not each uh, congressman voting, uh, where the Democrats have a majority, it would be according to each state. The Republicans have most of those states, and they could well re-elect Donald Trump as the president. That's the key vote, and that happens in early January. So as long as the investigate, if the investigation does turn up the vote of fraud that we think has taken place, Trump is president 
for the next four years. I know some people who are, who are worried, oh, there'll be riots. Well, we should not appease criminality. We should not appease voter fraud. This is our one opportunity to silence, or not, not to silence big tech, but to restrict the power of big tech, to enable a situation where a thousand flowers can bloom and more ideas can be expressed to have freedom of speech. So I think this is very important. We can stop this great reset if we just allow the fraud investigations in the United States to reach what could be their inevitable conclusion. What so if I Biden think wins? If, if Biden wins, that is, he, he's already established uh, part of his transition team, which has the people from big tech. He is a corporate stooge, essentially, and we will see the Great Reset on, on mass, and it will be the, the restrictions that you have in Victoria will be transplanted to the United States. You will see this corporatist system of government where, of course, he'll just be a front man. He, he, is, he is fading uh, uh, rather tragically, uh, he, but he will put in place a system which is already part of the American experience where the pork barrel politics, where, uh, where the system is often, often rigged in terms, of the, in terms of the most powerful organisations having a great deal of say, that's going to be even greater. And one person who wanted to disrupt that was indeed Donald Trump. He wanted to transform the pharmaceutical industry. It's bad for uh, the consumer who pays too much for their, for their medicines. It's not actually good for the, those who actually develop uh, medicines and vaccines and so forth. It actually benefits traders and, and middlemen who exist in the system. He wanted to change it. And I think it's mm. no surprise that during the, during the election, during the debates, he kept, Trump kept on talking about there's going to be a vaccine soon. It's just around the corner. It's going to be with us soon. We're going to make that announcement on that. And people thought, what is he talking about? As mm. soon as the election is over, Pfizer, BioNTech announced they have the vaccine. Moderna announced they have a vaccine which is even more efficient. They could have made those announcements back in October. They could have said that earlier, sent the stock market soaring again. They could have given hope that there would be an end to this COVID nightmare, but they kept stum. They, they didn't come out and, and give, what they, give the information out what they knew because they wanted to make sure Trump lost to make sure that this must be the case. It is, it is the only logical conclusion. Why wouldn't they announce it early and give people hope? But they left it after the election to make sure that there wasn't a boost for, for President Trump, a man who was going to shake up the pharmaceuticals industry. That, okay. That's the only logical conclusion. What happens if uh, in a bit longer, four years, eight years, 12 years, Biden wins or, you know, President Kamala Harris is the reality, right? Then what happens is because you, you, you've been pretty positive so far saying that people will push back. Will they push back in four years time? As, as, yes, yes, they will. But there's, there's increasingly, if, they're, if the Democrats are allowed to get away with fixing an election once, if the media are allowed to, uh, the mainstream media or lamestream media, as we now call it, uh, allowed to do this once, they're going to do it again. Appeasement doesn't actually work. I think we have a very short window of, of action. And part of that 
needs to happen in the next four years. Uh, Kamala Harris is uh, very authoritarian, has a very authoritarian history as a a prosecutor. She is not the friend of freedom. Um, She is against all that we all that we stand for. And it is actually a very worrying situation. And then they talk about uh, having their lists. And of course, uh, that they would quickly start phasing people out. Ultimately, their way will collapse because it is not as productive as individual liberty. It cannot win. There was a, a reason why communism failed in the face of uh, of, of of free market capitalism, of which America was the great embodiment. Uh, Khrushchev thought his system and his meddling and his, 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 his command and control economy would be able to deliver the victory. The difference was the American consumer had a refrigerator. The, the Soviet man didn't. Ultimately, the system which creates the most freedom will ultimately win. Uh, so in the long run, we will win, but it could, could be a lot of pain and that pain can be shortcutted. We can short circuit a lot of that pain if indeed we keep Donald Trump in power for four more years, as I believe uh, he would have won the election fairly if indeed all the all the votes were actually, that are counted are actually legal and properly done. That would save us a lot of pain and a lot of bother. It would allow the extremist, uh, sort of essentially terrorist organisations, because they support political violence, Antifa, to put their heads above the, t- the parapet, and we can know exactly what they're all about. We can avoid this pain uh, by having four more years of Donald Trump. However, if indeed uh, there is a situation where there's a Biden and ultimately a, a Kamala Harris administration, because we all know who will be running that administration, Biden no longer, unfortunately, has the intellectual capacity. He has the cronyism. Uh, of, of the Democrats, he has he has a long history of it. That's part of his makeup. He doesn't he's not shy about it. He's actually open about what is going on. He admitted that uh, they had established the biggest voter fraud organization in American history. He had admitted his dealings in Ukraine. Hunter Biden was even even quite honest about what he was doing and how he got that position uh, with the Ukrainian gas company because of his position that is uh, that is that his father had being uh, the vice president at the time in in the Obama administration. They are actually quite brazen and open, but if they're allowed to get power, if they're allowed to stuff the Supreme Court, if they're allowed to create new states, split up California to create more, more, uh, more, more Democrat senators, then of course they will be trying to lock in power. Ultimately they'll come down, but it's gonna be a long, hard road, but of course, I'm willing to, to fight this. I, I'm willing to give give another 20 years to make sure that, that we that we win this battle as well against their great reset. Robert, how do you feel? My brain is fried. It may be because it's 10 p.m., but you just downloaded a whole lot of information. How are you, sir? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm energised. I'm um, enjoying it. <laughs> it's bread and butter hey. for me. I, I like this, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, mate, thank you so much. You're the first person to come on and prosecute your ideas in a very committed, passionate way. Let me ask you one question before we go. Are you ever wrong? I ask a lot of people who are very, very sure like you've been. And I like to ask, could you be wrong on some of this stuff or any of it? 
No, I, 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 I'm usually, I'm the kind of person who's not subjected to groupthink and I always look at the evidence. Uh, it's a lesson I learned early in politics when I was a local government councillor, actually read the, you know, I was told to read the report and see what it's actually saying. And that, 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 that stuck with me. I always look at the evidence and don't go with, with the herd. Uh, mm. I, I might support herd immunity, but I don't support herd stupidity in the government <laughs> policy. Uh, the lockdown policies are, are herd stupidity where they all just follow the same agenda. I've always sort of sat back and thought, well, what does the evidence actually tell us? And that's why I'm often right, because well, I'm not, uh, not encumbered by, 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 by groupthink or, or these uh, social conventions that think you have to, have to think a certain way. Uh, so, so I'm, I'm not usually, I'm, 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 and I'm, naturally I'm optimistic as well. And I think the progress of humanity is usually one of looking up. Some people often predict that, uh, particularly those on the left, or the economy will get worse and worse and worse. Capitalism will ultimately uh, destroy itself. People will be more and more impoverished. That's not how it works. It's not what the evidence suggests. Things generally go up and people... Uh, free markets, free enterprise, private property rights, lift people out of poverty. Yeah. Uh, and we see that across the world. Things generally look up. So I'm naturally an optimistic person and I'm confident that we will ultimately win because I'm sure we're right and we have the rational arguments and people still respond to rational public debate and discourse as much as they, the other side want their feelings to triumph our facts ultimately most people are normal people and think like us. Wow. You believe in the electorate. You believe in their <laughs> intelligence. Wow. <laughs> Robert, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me for such, you know, it's been an hour and 45, I think. Thank you for giving your time. It's been great. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thank you, London. Bye. Bye.